Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Somewhere along the line, he became a, almost a, a, a cultural figure. I had contacts at the time were saying, this guy, you got to watch him. He's something different. And they were, they were saying back then, this guy is really unusual. He's scary. He's cool. These guys had risen high in the world of organised crime, had lived glamorous lives, lots of money on holidays, lots of disposable income. But again, maybe a, a, an unglamorous ending. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. It's been a year of takedowns and the end of the line for many. And while 2021 closes on a high note for Gardaí fighting organised crime, it has left many counting their last days of freedom. Today, I'm looking back on the year that was, along with my Sunday World colleagues Niall Donald and Eamon Dillon, and we discuss the big stories that made the headlines and gave us lots to chat about on Crime World. 2021 was bad news for John Gilligan and the Rathkeel Rovers. It was a dramatic year for Jerry the Monk Hutch and his bitter rivals in the Kinahan Mafia. And it marked a resurgence of sorts for some of the old names from Limerick's underworld. While many gangsters walked free from prison, countless more walked in. And while the Criminal Assets Bureau celebrated its 25th birthday, a cocaine gold rush across Europe has left everyone gasping for breath. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. We might as well start with John Gilligan. He's always a, a regular, isn't he? And he, he's never... Uh... The past is the future. Yeah. So, yeah, no, so John Gilligan obviously, um, you know, got out of prison to a degree, went underground. Um, he did because he was shot. He was shot and he, he reached retirement age, got his bus pass. Yeah. But um, this year, it 
was back in the news for all the other reasons. Mm. Not not reasons to do with his his history, obviously of involvement in crime and all the the things that have been written about again and again, but back because he um was subject of a raid by the Spanish police in, in the Costa Blanca. Mm. So it it according to the prosecutors are bringing a case against him um to do with do with drugs, um to do with weapons. Um, and basically, when they, they raided a property linked to him, they found a large quantity of uh, cannabis, roughly about four kilos of marijuana. Um, they found a number of, of prescription tablets, basically. Mm. Um, and the allegation is that he, he was involved in, uh, in particularly, uh, sending drugs back to Ireland. You know, relatively small a small scale, if you compare it to some of the other yeah. guys, but still a significant amount of 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 of. He's guns. sort of like just never learned, did he, John Gilligan? He obviously can't just keep his head down. He has to get back involved in the game. And I mean, that was always what was said when he was coming out of prison at the time that you know he would try and get back into the game. But I suppose in January, um, at the start of the year, he got out of prison. He was had been he had been held in custody initially when he was caught with these drugs and the gun, um, and he he got out of prison and it looked as if okay he's going to be he's going to walk free on this one or certainly the information coming from his quarters were that he was going to beat this rap they were never going to put him up in trial but of course in recent weeks he's been told twenty twenty two you're going to be back in the dock. Yeah, and um, it, like there is a significant quantity, you know, you can talk about it in the scale in terms of, you know, the multi-million pound drug operations, but it certainly is enough mm. um, what he's been accused of to, to see him in prison in, in well into his 70s, which is not something that I'm sure mm. he had planned. The Gilligan gang in general, I mean, it's hard to believe we're still writing about them all these years later, um, you know, 25, 26 years since they were big in the news. They're still... They still make headlines. And of course, Gilligan's old friend, John Trainer was was back on the front pages in November when he passed away in England. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to think that um, Brian Mean is now one of Ireland's longest serving prisoners. Um, but in, in obviously John Trainer, who was a, a key part of both um, Martin Cahill, the general's gang, and then went on to play a key role in, mm. in Gilligan's gang, passed away in, in, in the UK. Um, you know, he'd suffered from a lot of health problems uh, in recent years um, and had also served a, a, a sentence in the, in the UK in prison in there after being um, arrested in Holland in the company of another uh, Gilligan gang member, uh, Peter Fatso Mitchell. So again, you know, these guys had risen high in the world of organised crime, had lived glamorous lives, Lots of money on holidays, lots of disposable income, um, lots of high profile in the world. But again, um, John Trainer had maybe a, a an unglamorous ending. Mm, living didn't he just ironically enough, yeah. it looks like Brian Mean could be on the way out of prison. I mean, don't forget this year he was photographed at an open prison playing a spot of golf. Mm-hmm. So you could have Gilligan going back inside, possibly to serve. I think it's six or up to eight years he could be facing in Spain. While uh, he's all, the only person serving time for the murder of Veronica Guerin is, is out and free. Is, yeah, yeah. 
it's just amazing to think that we're we're still though, like you know, we're still on the same people there. Okay, we're in the same jobs and yeah, yeah, of course. Still. And you know, if you look through some of the old Sunday worlds from the time, and it's amazing these names appear again yeah, and yeah. again. Yeah, they're sort of uh, decades long. Some of them in the in the game. Eamon, the Rathkeel Rovers are more people who've been prominent in the news this year, but also who they never go away. Yep. Yeah, well, that's their their modus operandi. They just con continuously keep working at it and you know to some extent it's like ant crime mm. you know it's done by a small group of people in one van whether it's tarmacking or shipping uh, rhino horns through Chinese contacts so I mean they turned up at the start of the year I think it was Europol mentioned that there was uh, people from that particular organised crime group were involved in selling, selling folk, fake COVID passes at the time and then, uh, and then the rhino horns came up again, which I thought that the last time that the rhino horn gang or the dead zoo gang had been active was when Michael Flatley last saw two fellas running away from his house in Castle Hyde in 2014. But it turns out in 2016, they were still at it. Um, and the French authorities actually had these guys under surveillance. And just, um, I think it was in, it was just a couple of months ago, there was four of them went through the court system in Rennes and two of them got prison sentences, albeit in their, in their absence. And, uh, I, they also were. They had. Um, they changed their names as well. I know there's uh, one of the one of the French uh, NGOs that's involved in trying to protect animals. Are pretty keen that uh, the Irish authorities track the two fellas down and send them back to France. Mm. So I mean, yeah, I mean the Rathkeelers, the way they they operate, they're not going to stop anytime soon. And tell us a little bit about Rathkeel at Christmas because you've been down a few times. I don't know whether you're intending on. Uh, <laughs> well, you're going to blow his cover now. If well, that's it. It's definitely not going now. It's not going to be undercover. Yeah, and I mean, look, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they look, they they come back to their spiritual home, usually starting All Souls All Souls Day in November, and then the following six weeks up to Christmas is pretty much party time. So, I mean, some years you had like you know twenty weddings and and christenings. Um, and they, these are big events where every all the, the su successful traveller traders, you know, they've come back from around around Europe. Uh, be, it's, it's very it's very common for young fellas to be driving a 200,000 euro car whether it's a Mercedes AMG or some kind of BMW or Porsche Panamera I mean the first time What was time, that famous headline we had that time? Um, well it's not really for family consumption but it's if you're Honda, if you're Honda Civic I've a, I've a Porsche outside Yeah, loved it But um, look I mean they, they, they've copped on a bit I think the authorities copped on a bit as well and that some of these cars have been seized uh, coming back especially if they've brought them back before but um, I mean look it's just it's all about showing off I mean the parties you know it's, it's, it's about buying who can buy the most drinks I mean the, the piles of beers and trays of shots will be piled up and it's all about showing that you're the big dog that you made the most money it's about having a big roll of money in your pocket and, 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 and driving a quarter of a million euro car and tell and me this much, sorry, by the way, when you were undercover down there over the years in Rathkeel, <laughs> did you not stand out in like the fact that your car wasn't one of these sort of things that would have been Well, I suppose it would have just looked like a, an ordinary countryman. That's probably just yeah. a local, you know, one of the poor, suffering, yeah. uh, ordinary people that don't really have the, the, the you know, the get-go that they have to get out there and make yeah. real money for themselves. But we did, um, with a former photo photographic colleague, um, obviously, I wasn't known in Rakhil at the time, and we, we spent an evening in, in in a particular pub that was owned by uh, a, a woman there who leased it out, and it was popular with all the all the Rakhil traveller traders. 
and we, we went in there and had a couple of pints and of course we stayed a bit longer than we should have possibly the Dutch courage building up <laughs> but before we left I noticed that uh, we were kind of sitting in an exclusion zone we were at the bar and there was nobody within six metres of us and the rest of the bar was packed so they didn't know what to make of us so they weren't going to chance it in case we were revenue or guards or something yeah, yeah. like that but, but it's just amazing the number of you know in the modern world you get Google notifications yeah. where you, you hear um, you know, Irish criminals abroad. And it's just amazing the amount of tarmac scams that mm-hmm. go go on across Europe, like Holland, Belgium, France in particular, and they, you just get these notifications. Every week there's another warning about Irish guys. And of course it's... But but it's even it's even further afield. I mean, we've we've covered it them, you know, in Australia, New Zealand, mm. in you know, places like Iceland and uh, you know North America, and you know, looking through some of their social media, they've also been working away and they've been working away in South America and places like Colombia and Mexico, um, doing doing what they do there. I know that there was one particular um, car rental firm in Barbados who was very unhappy with somebody from that particular community after they had they had passed through. And of course, we did one years ago on them working away in South Africa, where one, they, one of them was racially abusive to one of the black workers they had working from, you know, doing the, the tarmac. And so, yeah, they, it's they, a, they get around. Yeah, it's a Merck's exporting a. You nearly like hats off to the amount of scams that, I mean, if you were going to well, the, admire there is, criminals, yeah, they I, certainly have uh, an ability to learn different languages and travel and see the world as being bigger than their little village in Limerick. And I suppose it's, it's no harm to mention as well that there are legitimate traders among them. And mm. I've spoken to one particular guy years back who, you know, would go to various sort of retail festivals um, and, and, and sell his wares. And, you know, at Christmas, he just deserts the place. He stays away from the other crowd from Valden yeah. in kind of uh, the black market or the grey market or whatever. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it's, it look, in fairness to point out, some of them are able to use that business model and use it legitimately. Yeah. But unfortunately, the guys who get all the headlines are, are the ones who are yeah. doing it the wrong way. And they're never really far from the news. And no doubt, 2022, they have a few little scams cooked up for you to pay some attention to. Um, of course, this year, 2021, the last five years have been, you know, have been all about the fall of that what was once the very powerful Kinahan Empire here in um, Ireland. I think what we've seen this year was a lot of that hard work that had gone on, the investigations into the gang, and a lot of those operations were culminating in these court cases. Of course, from the very, very top of the tree, we have Daniel Kinahan. And mentioned this week, am I right, in a Europol report as the last man standing from the super cartel. He's still in Dubai. I'm going to wager that this is his last Christmas of freedom. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the you know, obviously after the Regency, there was a huge police operations. There was also um, a degree of criticism that they didn't, that the, the police and the state in general didn't, weren't able to to, to get their hands on the, the key members of the of the cartel. And um, this year you've seen that th- that's the nature of law enforcement, that it's a slow process mm. that, you know, in order to reach the top, they tend to, you know, some of the, for want of a better word, the lower hanging fruit get picked off first. Um, so you've seen a lot of the, you know, maybe not the absolute pinnacle of the, of the cartel come, come before the courts, but certainly the, 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 the tier just below that. Mm. Obviously, Daniel Keenan, uh, remains in Dubai. Um, Along with Sean McGovern, his right-hand man at this point. But the people that he had been associating with mm. in Dubai, such as Ridwan Taji, uh, Raphael Imperiale, a, 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 a mafia figure from Italy that, that, that 
formed part of our super cartel have now been extradited. And you'd have to think that although, um, you know, that, that the day is going to come mm. when he is going to also get a knock on his, his, his penthouse apartment or wherever he happens to be staying. Interestingly, like if you look at what happened in the Netherlands, so Ridwan Taji was returned to the Netherlands, I think, at the end of 2019. And this year, the big news there is this Marengo trial, which has been going on. Him and 16 of his cohorts are facing charges in relation to a number of murders. Um, but it seems as if the strategy there was different. He was brought home before his actual operation was shut down. Whereas here in Ireland, the Gardaí have sort of shut down um, the Kinahan organisation, the, 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 that mid-tier that you're talking about, which really is the majority of any gang, is that mid-level um, ranking. But most of them are now off the streets. So if and when... The, the, the more senior members of the gang are brought back to face charges. Um, I suppose you'd like to think that what has happened in the Netherlands won't happen here. And of course, in the Netherlands, Taji's gang are still extremely strong, extremely powerful. They're suspected of being behind the murder of journalist Peter Orgevries, of threatening the Prime Minister. I yeah. mean, the Prime Minister of the Netherlands is under is under protection, which is just extraordinary, really, isn't it? And yeah, and there's modern. been constant talk of, of of very elaborate prison breakout plots. Yeah, um, you know, there certainly seems to be, uh, you know, there, you know, the 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 Taji organization is at war with the state mm. um, and is not yet defeated. It's not yet exactly. That's uh, the thing about that, it, which is an incredible thing, really, if you consider that that. You know, you're talking about a modern European state, you know, huge resources that they, they still seem to be able to, to threaten it. Mm. Um, the Kinnans will not be able to do that in Ireland at this point. Um, Daniel is probably more embedded in, 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 the, in, in, the, Emir, in, in the Emirates where, mm. he is, where he is based due to um, legitimate businesses. Um, so, and, you know, obviously he seems to have forged connections with people of influence there. Mm. And I'd say that's been a factor in his, the fact he's remained. But, um, but the, the, the actual structure of the gang that existed in Ireland is, is almost, uh, it's certainly on his needs in, in Dublin in a way that was almost inconceivable mm -hmm. a number of years ago. Most definitely. And of course, this year we have seen Douglas Glynn, who would be Daniel Kinahan's main guy in the North Inner City? He has been uh, found guilt, uh, pleaded guilty. Actually, essentially, Padder Keating is um, Bomber Kavanagh's number one man. He is uh, serving a prison sentence for directing um, an attempted hit. Declan Brady, so-called Mister Nobody, who was Bomber Kavanagh's weapons man. Stephen Fowler, Bomber Kavanagh himself is in, in jail in the UK where he is awaiting very long, all, all year long, he's been awaiting sentence for these big drugs and money laundering charges um, along with Gary Vickery and Daniel Canning. Of course, Gary Vickery was arrested out in Lanzarote after much ado and sent back to, to the UK despite the fact that he'd pleaded guilty on these big charges. That was all a bit of a mess, seeming... Seem to have something to do with Brexit and COVID and yeah, I mean the European arrest warrant, I suppose, weren't uh, mm. you know stopped the. It's a strange year for that kind of thing. Yeah, but you're seeing, I suppose, that the um, you know in, certainly in Ireland, um, 
the the Kinnahan's desire, cartel's desire to kill James Michael Gately, mm. um, has really been their undoing. Um, it has landed, you know, so many of the most important members, um, of that organisation behind bars. Uh, some of them awaiting sentencing still. So I mean that desire for, for to get that one individual. James Michael Gately, a Hutch associate, um, has really seen that that has been their undoing. Mm. It always I, seems to be that way when it gets personal, doesn't it? Yeah. I, th- I think one of the other areas where it's backfired on Daniel Kinnan this year is his attempts to sports wash his his yeah. uh, reputation. Mm. I mean, there was I mean, there was such an outcry when Tyson Fury had thanked Daniel on that video, um, and then of course our. Colleague Pat O'Connell has covered a fair bit of, of the court case that uh, an American lawyer is bringing against him over poaching fighters. So, I mean, the way like the the, the way it works is so many of these professional fighters are, are signing up now for for big upfront money to, mm. to switch over. Um, and it, it, despite all these denials by by his you know his former boxing company that uh, Daniel is no longer involved, his name keeps slipping out and his name and his picture keeps turning mm. up in you know in places with you know with other agents and, and boxing promoters in, in Dubai or wherever else, and then being deleted shortly afterwards. So I mean that that, that has really kind of backfired on him and it's isolated him, but it's also um, it's caught the attention I think of of kind of the US media and and the UK media which I hadn't before mm. which is going to make life a little bit more uncomfortable and it'll shrink his world a bit so he'll have fewer friends than he had this time last year no I change. mean I think the Panorama program was a yeah, was that was a, out in February of, wasn't it at the beginning it was in of February, the year yeah. Yeah. I mean that was certainly a blow to Annie. it's a turning point in a way wasn't it yeah I mean I think he, there was a a grand plan to to if not you know, there was always going to be Google, and his name mm. was always going to pop up. But I think there was a grand plan for him to to move up, to move out of that and put that behind him. Certainly, you know, was, he had a reputation in Ireland, and he was maybe not willing to fight it there, but he wanted to um, have that reputation be something that could be washed in the UK. I think, in particular, and probably ultimately in the US. And I think the fact that Panorama, I mean, obviously, probably the the most famous uh, investigative. TV uh, series yeah. in the world did such an extensive uh, took on such an extensive look at him, and despite the fact that Daniel then broke with a tradition of a lifetime and let out a series of statements, I don't think it uh, managed to undo the, the the permanent reputational damage that that program did. You see, up until this year, he has had this aloof attitude to the media and has been able to because it's only this sort of little annoying, irritating yeah. Irish media yeah. not, that not, has not been... Not least yourself. Not least myself, that have been sort of, you know, reporting about the drugs element of the business and, you know, how it had sort of collided with the boxing thing. But the sports reporters were reporting yeah, it was, on it was the boxing without... That where very the, strange thing. Yeah, where you could kind of have... Uh, you could have an, an okay in the, the back section yeah. of the paper where in the front section yeah. of the paper he, he could be mentioned but I think you know the, the, the UK but Panorama changed that I think, that I, think I think so I think even sports reporters could no longer there's always a comma just, now behind yeah. it like where there's a comma Dan, you know Tyson Fury who is you know has yeah. links to Daniel Keenan who yeah. has links to organised crime but there was certainly there was a period of time where it was it was so unusual that that he could be mentioned in the back page of a of, 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 a, of, a, of a sports newspaper just as a boxing promoter, but he was directing all that in a way, wasn't he? Through you know, oh, I think so. I think so, and, and they 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 certainly um, very clever. And he had obviously there was a phenomenal amount of the 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 boxers want, 
seemed willing mm. to go on the record and speak about him. It seemed Still to do. be. I mean, they, he seems to have this reputation among the boxers as this kind of athlete whisperer that fellas like Tyson Fury, who at the time, it was a couple of years ago, there was videos of him drinking too much, acting the idiot in, you know, in Spain and, you know, grossly overweight. But, you know, Daniel Kinnan took him under his wing and suddenly, like, he's back on track. And, and he's he's made him a better fighter. He did, so he did. That is, the Tyson Fury comeback is an extraordinary. I mean, there's no incredible. doubt about and, and, it. And he credits, he credits Kinnan for yeah, that. Yeah. So, but which begs the question then, if, if he's good at whispering to boxers, who else is he good at whispering to? When you look at, you know, the way the Kinnan cartel work, we talk about how they're, their setup in Ireland have, has been degraded and you know dismantled to a large extent by the guards here. But you have to f- face facts that you know when the DEA were mentioning two years ago that this group that were at his wedding, they were responsible for a third of all the cocaine being imported into Europe at the time. And you have to wonder what were the Kinnahans bringing to the to the table. And when you look back at Christie Senior, you know he ha- he did his time for for bribing you know um, officials in Antwerp, a big port city, which we now know is one of the focal points of uh, the cocaine rush. And uh, there is a, a rush of cocaine coming into Europe now, and that's what the Kinnahans were bringing to the table. Whereas obviously you had you know you had that that whole group. They were all basically they know each other from Holland. So I mean, you had the Moroc Dutch, and you had the yeah, you had the Montenegrin Dutch, you know, which is the Eden Eden Gasson and the Tito and Dino cartel. So you, you had all these guys, and and even Raphael Imperiale, he knew them from Holland. He had yeah. his coffee yeah, shop they all, in Holland. They all so followed the same pattern. That was from, the group from Holland to Spain yeah, yeah. to Dubai, yeah. and, and they all had their own markets. But they also they all would bring something to it, and it can't be money, just money. So you have the likes of Gasson now is is the target of a, a, a Peruvian prosecutor known as the Iron, the Iron Lady, I think, um, and and she's going after them. And we know that the U.S. Guyane that was found with the, the I think was it twenty tons of, of yeah. cocaine that came from Peru that was connected to this cartel. Like we're that's the information that we've been told. That we're pretty sure. Yeah. It seems to be pretty sure that they were tied up in that. So it, it's. And that was that was a huge insight into how they worked. I mean, speedboats coming off the coast of South America using encrypted phones. You know, they had an entire crew of of not an entire crew, but of the twenty four eight were in on it. Yeah. You know, the most senior officer on board was getting Size a million dollars. Load. I mean, if you're if you're reading some of the some of the Dutch press, as, as I know as I know you have been, like they're talking now about you know so many as they call them uh, pickers are working in the likes of Antwerp and and some and Rotterdam where they they know what. Containers are coming in mm. and have and have drugs on board. They know that there's an issue now with customs officials, with police, you know, with people working in administration, administrative jobs are being corrupted by this tide of money that's coming from it. Because as you, you know, as we know that the, the, yeah, the money's just like it's enormous, just it goes yeah. from eight hundred dollars in Peru to whatever yeah. it is seventy eighty seventy eighty thousand here in Europe. And 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 that's coming, and it's only going to get worse. I think you know we're we're kind of we're building up to a peak. And you know the a lot of these phone hacks, these encrypted phone hacks that have been successful in the last year, in particular, um, they have identified so many crimes being committed and people. But the first layer that they went after were the corrupt officials, the port workers, the police, and you know that they really wanted to make a, a point about that because definitely that's a big worry for all of Europe really that those areas can be corrupted. Eamon, I have to say, I just wanted to go back to you on Daniel Kinahan because we speak about John Gilligan coming with us throughout our own careers in crime reporting, but Daniel Kinahan, I think you wrote the first story about him 
Yeah, like, I mean, we're was, in 2021 yeah. now and it would have been at the turn of the century, 2000. He, he was, I think, 19 or 20 when he was up on the assault charges. Uh, it was involving a f- group of his pals and an off-duty guard and those words exchanged. Now, the charges against him were dropped. And I, I'd some, I, had, a, I had contacts at the time were saying, this guy, you've got to watch him. He's something different. He, and they were, they were saying back then, this guy is something different. Yeah. You know, he's really unusual. He's scary. He's cool. Um, and he was hanging around with some fairly wild bunch like and you know this is based around the Oliver Bond flats was yeah there, he would have been strength. still here in Ireland at the time and, and, and even at that age he already had a couple of companies registered mm. um, I remember one of them was uh, Black Cat Curiosities supposedly mm. an antique company uh, you know and on the face of it like his, his father had been you know like this serious criminal you know who, who's doing time I think I, I can't remember he was doing time for robbery and and, and, and stuff like that at the time and he'd, he'd, he'd been in jail in Holland and again as we written about loads of times he was finishing off his degree in Portlaoise Prison at the time. Mm. But even back then, and we know what came from, I think, the trial of uh, UP Altopost, who was done in, in Holland in 2002 or three, And they, they played, um, in, in Dutch court, they played um, uh, tapes of the phone calls. And it was, Daniel will do this and Daniel will do that. Mm. Um, and he was named in court. So even back then, he was seen, there was people had picked him out and said, this this kid is going to be something. Mm. Is going to be something. I remember we took a picture of him, and we thought well, I, it was years before we could use it. I yeah. think it was like back in yeah because you didn't name him in the piece. You it couldn't was, name him yeah. because the tra- charges had been dropped against it, it, him. It, it wasn't until he was linked to a betting scam in the UK. Yeah. and finally, God, we, we had the only picture of him. Yeah. So it was like a year sitting on it. It's amazing to think twenty one years on and where he is now. And you know, as we said, maybe twenty twenty two will be the year it'll all turn around from in the same way it has for some of his business partners there. And and some of his rivals. And his it? rivals, which I was going to come on to because, you know, while the Kinnahans have been in the wars with the the guards and their business partners have been in the wars with the various other territories, police, um, you know, they're great rivals here. What a year. What when did we ever think that Jerry the Monk Hutch was going to be returned to this country in handcuffs and placed before the Special Criminal Court. Well, it certainly didn't look likely. Um, it certainly didn't look likely when, at the point at which his nephew, uh, Patrick Hutch Jr., was found, uh, was acquitted of a, of a murder, of the Regency murder charge. At that point, it looked um, Jerry Hutch was gone out of public view. Mm. Um, it looked like Certainly, the general perception was there would nobody would ever be charged again in connection with the Regency uh, hotel shooting, and that Jerry Hutch was gone in the wind. He was rumored to be all over Eastern Europe, Turkey, mm. even the middle or even the Eastern Asia was being mentioned, and it looked like um, Jerry Hutch was was not going to be. Uh, the day was never going to be when he was returned in mm. handcuffs. So even though he was brought home, uh, I think it was that there was still a sense of shock. I think that 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 this yeah. is because you know you have to remember that although Jerry Hutch you know remained in the public eye to a degree, uh, he, like he, somewhere along the line he became a, almost a, a, a you know a, a cultural figure. Mm. Um, you know, where he, you know, the only time he was appearing in the papers, you know, in the middle of middle of this century, 
Um, before before the, the the feud kicked off, he was appearing as a training boxers, or he was, as a famously said, he was some magazine voted him seventieth sexiest, sexiest man, man in yeah. Ireland, seventieth, which is mm. amazing. He was allowed to collect his award for that. He did got he, some sort of an award. Did and he, he, was, uh, he was chauffeuring was Mike Tyson on a visit yes, to Ireland. Yes. Yeah, he had his so it looked carry anybody. Yeah, yeah, uh, business limousine business. Yeah, um, so it looked like he was maybe the one person that had. had had you know obviously been heavily involved in in organised crime and it kind of got out of it. Yeah, yeah. On top, I was down in court when he was brought home that time in August, and um, it was just amazing. It was like a celebrity was coming. It was like Garth Brooks was on his way. I mean, there was <laughs> journalists, but they had these apps on their phone, and they were watching the plane, and you could see where the plane was as it was coming into Baldonnell with him on board. And then, of course, he arrived into the courtroom looking like the man from Del Monte. <laughs> I mean. He would have always thought that picture, that famous picture of Christy Kinahan in the, uh, you know, the Panama hat and the white linen suit, that would have really irritated him. But actually, he looked similar. He was in this sort of, of course, he'd been in Spain, so he was tanned. and But he was in this sort of weird looking for him, sort of beige, linen-y suit. Indiana Jones. Yeah, he just looked really unlike himself. And of course, he was very intent on the, he wasn't, feeling like a celebrity as he stood there and was charged with the murder of, of uh, David Byrne. I'm sure he was just very intent on what was being said in the process of the court. Obviously, since then, he's now challenging the constitutionality of the uh, Special Criminal Court, which will be an interesting case when that comes up next year. Um, four people are currently charged in connection with the murder of David Byrne at the Regency Hotel attack, and their trials are due to start in March. Um so that is going to be... Yeah, it's going to be... Um, again, you're seeing, um, you know, and, and similar to the Kenyan cartel figures that they're coming before the special criminal court. Um, they're, they're tending to be slightly different charges um, than, than the traditional charges. So they're, they're, you're seeing a lot of the anti-gangland legislation that, that was brought in uh, in the last decade, particularly over, you know, that, that was, you know, maybe brought in by some of it by Michael McDowell following shootings in Limerick of innocent people. So people are coming before the courts for conspiracy mm. and for membership of criminal gangs. And so the, the special criminal courts, it's, it's going to be a more technical kind of trial, but uh, it certainly is um, something that people, I think, really didn't expect to see. But the guards, obviously, following the the the, the acquittal of, of Patrick Hutch Jr., that they... Uh, reinvigorated that investigation mm. and certainly seemed to um a lot of it seems to be based on painstaking detail of technical evidence regarding phones and 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 that sort of stuff but obviously Jerry Hutch has gone um has does does not want to come before the special criminal court and mm. he's bringing a challenge to have him to have his trial heard by a jury of his peers and you know, he's not the first person to do that, bring a, a challenge like that. Whether it succeeds or not, we'll find out. Mm. But he obviously fancies coming before 12 men and women, a jury of his peers, and, and feels that would give him a, a better chance. Limerick has been back in the news, of course, Eamon. And again, like, is it a theme of this year? It's like, you know, they talk about the war on crime not working, but... Uh, We've been back down in Limerick and it seems to be a lot of our old friends from previous criminal investigations that are back on the streets and suspected of being back uh, involved in organised crime. Limerick has sort of um, had quietened down from the days of the Dundons when, you know, 
Was it a cocaine war, or would we describe well, it, was, it as? I a, think it was a it was a personal feud as yeah. much as it, anything it was else. A, it was a bit of everything, and mm. I mean, to some extent, their, their violence is what kind of made them spectacular. The level of their criminality was probably at a much lower level than you know uh, Daniel than Daniel Kinahan, and, and certainly even so, you know, possibly people like the the Burn Organized Crime Group. You know, they would have been pretty much street dealers, or you know, just a, just above that, really. But there was that kind of whole element of family clan kind of pride coming mm. into it and uh, and a kind of a, a really vicious you know sense of proving that you're the big dog on the block all the time which just you know there was no quarter given in that sense and it was it was really internecine i mean a lot of there's a lot of people who are married into these families across each you know ac- mm. across different, different families like it's not a, it's not as clean cut as saying it's the the king Colopies versus the mccarthy dundons um, and there were individuals then who were wrapped up in crime who were often worked for both sides. But behind behind those guys, don't forget, you also had the kind of the more senior group that, that, that you know that we haven't really written about uh, very much. Um, there is that um, higher element that were above the McCarthy Dunnans that they were buying their drugs from, um, and they never went away. So I mean, and then business never went away. You know, demand is still there. If anything, it's creeping back up. I mean, we've all seen the the reports on cocaine use in Ireland. We're back up to Celtic Tiger levels. We're the, I think the third highest per capita in in Europe for uh, cocaine consumption, behind only the UK and Spain. So business is still there. Um, we, we we you know we we have you know even even some of the kind of uh, the old school guys like Kieran Colopy got out of jail again this week. So I mean, he's got like he wasn't long out of jail when he was caught red-handed cutting up heroin in a house in mm-hmm. the island field, and he he's back out again now. So it remains to be seen whether or not he's going to be, you know, back in business. But they, they've never stopped. And indeed, no. what comes of these big raids? I mean, you know, it was some of the the biggest raids that we've ever seen in the country involving as well the army that went into Limerick to shake down these guys. And, um, you know, I'm sure over the coming months and into next year, we'll see if there's any charges coming from all that. Of course, the cocaine gold rush is behind nearly all the stories we write about gangland and the underworld. And as we've said, it is that money that is there, that never-ending amount of money that washes around um the criminal underworld and the demand for recreational drugs and it's continuing to grow and Europe is seen as a growth market and I mean there's been huge seizures they're becoming more norm now yeah an incredible in particular levels from of, the Netherlands and incredible levels of seizures of cash in Ireland yeah. I mean which is a thing that I don't think you used to see that but there's you hear all the time now a couple of hundred thousand a million in seized um but it doesn't put, seem to put the gangs out of business, mm. um, and that's solely driven by by demand, by the level of markup that that people can make in, in terms of cocaine and and some other drugs. And uh, you know, yeah, like it's it's you know it's it's. Co- I think Europe was unprepared for mm. for that rush of of organized crime that came maybe in, in in the last decade or so. I think in America you had a you know that they it it happened more gradually. Mm. Um, I think Europe was not prepared on a certainly in terms of maybe intelligence and in in terms of monitoring communications. But well, you see, while it's still, I suppose, there isn't a joined-up policing, is there either? And it is that what it, the, Europe has been slow to, while it opened its borders, yeah. it was slow to have the police forces working yeah, I think together. Exactly. And I think they became and, a kind of an international business mm. and that that bit was 
people maybe were unprepared for that 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 people could direct businesses from Dubai, for example. Mm. You know that 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 maybe wouldn't have been possible ten years ago either. It's been the perfect climate for the the drug dealers, really, the cocaine lords of Europe to. But the, the cocaine lords in in South America and Colombia they fragmented, so they're all looking for for different business. Like since the peace treaty in Colombia with FARC, mm. um, cocaine production has gone up. The Mexicans control the supply into the States. Plus, if you supply to the States, there's always a chance you might get extradited there to go off after it. So the biggest untapped or you know potential mm. for growth is Europe, and it's, it's less risky. So that's why we're getting it. It's easier for you know Irish or you know European-based gangs now to make contacts with somebody in in South America to mm-hmm. get the to get it you know at source. I mean, the legal peril is a lot less in Europe as well. If you look at you know, watching narcos, and if you if you look at to, to the end and look up all the people in yeah. it, like it's 40, 50 years in prison. Yeah, if not for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be the case. And over. locked up in solitary often. Locked up for in me. solitary. Yeah, yeah, it's a different American supermaxes and yeah. tiny little yeah. concrete rooms. I mean, it never works uh, out for them no. if you watch narcos. No, if you watch narcos, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Titanic. You know, it's going to sink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Spoiler alert. Of course, the prison system continues to just, I suppose, ha- have its revolving door. And while many of our our own people that we've been writing about have gone in this year, more have come out, um, finished their sentences or been ready for parole. So Brian Rattigan, obviously, is is one that uh, yeah, Brian Rattigan, quite happily walked out this yeah, year. Brian Rattigan, um, when Brian Rattigan went into prison originally, um, it was a hugely different world. Um, you know that he went in um, when his his the gang that he had controlled, one of the the, the infamous Crumlin Drimna feuding gangs, were really at at rock bottom, and you had the ascendancy of of the Fat Freddie Thompson faction. Uh, obviously, Fat Freddie Thompson, a, a first cousin, Lean Byrne, and um, they'd certainly been become the dominant force in Dublin. Um, Brian Radigan went into prison and uh, he comes out just as that gang has been dismantled and his, you know, notorious rival, though they is subsequently uh, claimed to have made friends again, is back in prison serving a life sentence for Freddie Thompson for the murder, uh, for murders. The like league. Lanigan's ball with the two yeah. of them. Yeah, so and don't forget Brian Radigan picked up another um, sentence while he was inside for heroin dealing. Mm. So, I mean, he never stopped. So mm. to, the idea now that he's actually on the outside, the chance of him not getting back involved in the game, I think, are pretty slim. He seems to have been quite quiet for the last couple of months. He has, and it's, he's meant to have been, uh, you know, he's left the country and has been seen yeah. in Spain, um, of, you know. Uh, so, but whether we've heard the... Uh, the end of him or not, yeah. ...is another matter. Johnny Mangan wasn't really quite supposed to become a free man but he made his own decision to walk out of Lock and House prison and not return until he was eventually yeah, caught that, that, that was yeah he had his he had his mobile phone in, in, in the open prison which he was using apparently to uh, look for some money off people that owed cash for whatever reason and uh, when uh, I think the, the authorities got wind any of these threats they searched him searched his cell, found it. So he took off rather than mm. possibly face more time in prison. You can get up to five years for having a mobile phone in, in jail. In the open prisons, you are actually allowed access, but they're, they're, they're pre-programmed numbers and they're not smartphones. So this mm-hmm. wasn't one of the phones that you're allowed to have if you're you know, going out to work or going out to, to school or a training course or whatever. But um, he, he, anyway, he's back behind bars again now. Yeah. And yeah, he was 
picked up. So, yeah, that was just a silly mistake on his part because he was coming to the next. Yeah, I mean, it seems crazy. Like, logically, it just doesn't seem, but it just shows you, I suppose, that sometimes the mentality of people that are coming to the end of a sentence and facing, in his 50s, I think, facing, you know, being a free man, but still that impulse. Yeah. That is, it's him. a lot of it is impulsive behaviour that lands people behind bars. Um, cyber crimes were big this year. Whatever happened to the HSE hack? Well, I mean, exactly. Uh, <laughs> they, they took down some of the the the, I, I, the the gang that was behind it. Some of their pages were taken down, um, and the guards were actually involved in it. And they had messages up to say this is no longer, you know, owned by whatever group it was. Mm. Um, I think I think there was a little bit of embarrassment on the part of the Russian authorities um, because it's suspected that while a lot of these, they're not necessarily government actors, but they're kind of working with the kind of uh, a wink and a nod. Uh, it's all part of the Russian regime's, mm. uh, you know, attempt to disrupt democracies. You know, there was, there was I think, I forget who's, somebody's um, power plants were attacked this week as well and they were within minutes of shutting down, you know, power to Sweden or somewhere like that. I forget which country it was, but this is just ongoing. Yeah. But I, I know that, like, even within the HSE, like, they're still struggling with some of, the, some of the systems. I mean, the fact that we're not getting daily updates on the deaths for COVID mm-hmm. is being said publicly by the HSE. It's because they seem of, to be handwriting still some mm. stuff. And, but it's we huge, never huge paid damaging. any, we never actually paid any ransom. Never paid any ransom. No, uh, no it's they not have, that we know of. Anyway. No, they have said that. They have, yeah. they have said that. And, you know, they, they certainly there was international police forces involved in helping yeah. them try and trace it. But So do you think politically somebody might have reached out to the Russians? There, there was a mixture. Well, there was also the, the key that was that was supposedly gonna, you're going to get for the ransom apparently went up online. Um, and that was used, I think, by some of the, the, the cyber people or some of the, sorry, the IT people. Um, but it was very slow. It's a very mm. slow business. Plus, you couldn't actually trust them. You know, you don't actually know what you're necessarily putting back into your computer system. And then I think the fact that some of the computer systems were, were, were kind of so old and not necessarily well linked together made it difficult to, you know, to put it all back together. That once the, once the jigsaw fell apart, it was a slow process to put it all back together again. But you'd have to wonder, are, are you know, the state, is the state, not just the Irish state, but the countries in general prepared for that type of crime? And there's no doubt that Everybody is getting texts now, fraudulent texts, and like if if you were to look at what's going to be the growth area, yeah, in in criminality, like that would have that to be and people smuggling, yeah, and those those you are, know. and I mean obviously the the yeah, the immigration pressure is going to mm. is another thing, but cyber crime is is you know we're going to hear more and more about it. Definitely, I'll have to get my head around one it. One of the things you might have noticed this year, there was a lot of these kind of small-time money mules that were being caught for allowing 10 grand or 20 grand or whatever it was go through their bank accounts. Rest, rest in the account, yeah, as and, Father and Ted the, would the, say. The idea was that, you know, the money would come in and they would draw it out and they'd get 800 quid. And there was a lot of young students and, you know, kind of people in their 1920s, you know, young enough that were kind of being exploited in this way. But that is actually, that's the end result of some of these cyber crimes. Like, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's kind of dating fraud or, you know, however somebody, you know, whatever version of the scam that is used, it's all about getting money and it's about putting it into a bank account where they can get the cash. And that's where some of these, you know, these these mm-hmm. small-time money launderers, that's, that's where the end of it has happened. And some of them, you know, they, they've disrupted some more senior people, but they haven't, you know, obviously... So there's definitely they, they, a message going yeah, out from this, here this, that it's Yeah, but the servers or who's actually doing it, I mean, it's somewhere in cyberspace and yeah. that's very difficult to shut down. Mm-hmm. 
bumper year for the cab. They celebrated 25 years in existence in October of this year. Um, but, you know, they are, they remain one of the strongest arms in our fight against organised crime in this state anyway. And they, they yeah, they're very, very strength to strength, don't they? Yeah, they're a very, very proactive uh, type of policing. Um, you know, a lot of the time you're, you're you know, the, say a murder investigation can be very, very painstaking, very dependent on 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 technical evidence, witness statements in particular. Um, but CAB, I suppose, have have shown a way that that the uh, the police can target these criminals directly, and and of course hit them where it hurts, and really disrupt the operation of organised crime in Ireland in a very direct and and immediate way. Um, so again, you've obviously the the Kinnan cartel have 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 been a, a huge focus for CAB in the last few years, and I think really their investigations have have hamstrung you know some of the the major figures, including uh, people like Liam Byrne, including people like Sean McGovern, um, and some of their investigations as well, and in, in literally following the money have have you know given rise to other investigations as well. So they'll continue to be. Um, you know, you you tend to see CAB target these organisations first. You see, for example, the 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 crime gang known as the Family, based in West Dublin. They've they've become a focus for CAB. Mm. You know, and then maybe in the aftermath of that, it, it tends to trickle down to 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 maybe more uh, traditional criminal prosecutions. What about standout stories for anyone? I have to say, I liked uh, well, not liked. That would be the wrong word. I found fascinating. The stories of two people that we covered on Crime World, Cornelius Price and Noel Johnson. Noel Johnson was the heroin dealer from Ballymena who um, was in his 60s, who Hugh Jordan, our colleague, was able to tell me was the first person to introduce a line of heroin to the north of Ireland. They were able to trace back that first deal and he had grown rich on his career. And uh, in the end, he was in a apartment. He was in a, a, a couple of floors up in his apartment when he thought that he was about to be raided. So he um, jumped out the window and fell to his death. I mean, it was yeah, just I mean, an very, extraordinary end. Yeah, very uh, tragic, of course, for his family. Um, but he, I think he actually feared that he was he was being the target of a, of a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's, know, just, it's just an extraordinary But it actually was, it actually was a, a police raid. Yeah. But the real, the belief is that... He, he thought he was going to get killed. He was going to get killed by mm. a rival um, as his door was being kicked in and mm. there was guys coming in. The fact is, life was never under threat. It was it was going to be the police arresting him. But yeah, again, it shows this is, this is a guy he was... Um, he was. I mean, we refer to him. If you look back on the, the you know, the articles about him as a as a multimillionaire. Yeah. He was living in a stunning location at one point, but he ended up in a a, a less than glamorous flat. Mm. And Cornelius Price, of course, as our colleague Ken Foy has told us, you know, earlier in the year he was uh, out on social media and you know threatening his rivals and showing off his power and his all the rest of it. And as life does, you know, gives us some hands of cards that we don't expect. He's now in a coma in hospital and um, could be months or years. I, I, yeah, I, very uncertain. Uh, very unwell anyway. And very unwell and un- mm. an uncertain future. Um, again, like he, he, Cornelius Price is, is believed to have played a key role in, in, in what became known as the Drahada feud. Um, you know, that, that 
gave rise to four murders at least. Um, Cornelius Price was associated with with the faction that seemed to come out on top, um, that seemed to 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 to, for want of a better term, win the feud. Um, you know, was living in England. You know, was regularly updating social media. Uh, you know, not discreetly. Um, but of course, he's ending the year. In, so, in, in and the worry, I think, for certainly. Uh, for some people, like in, in the case of um, Anna Varsalan and William Mon, who are missing, and his associates of, of Cornelius Price are believed to be responsible for, for, for their murders. By all accounts, it was quite brutal. Um, their bodies have never been found. So if he dies, they're worried that, you know, whatever secrets, you know, will, will, he'll take to the grave. Or, mm. on, But of course, on the other hand, it might finally, you know, release somebody from that fear of, of Price coming after them. Exactly. I mean, it, like he, he was due to go on trial in the UK for a plot to kidnap two men. It was, you know, it's very, very serious charges. And he recently enough got out of jail in Ireland where he tried to run down a guard with a, a van. So, you know, look, he, he's, he's one of these guys we've written a lot about I mean, there's an awful lot about him that we haven't written. So, you know, if he if he if he, if he dies and takes a lot of it to the grave with him, uh, yeah, I think it could be disappointing for certainly mm. for the Mon family. Mm. Any standout stories in the from the crime end of things, Eamon, from this year? Well, look, I mean, the David Tweed stuff that you did was 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 uh, I was jaw dropping. I mean. You know, I, I mean, we'd heard, you know, a couple of years ago, we'd heard whispers of this or not whispers. We kind of had an idea. And it's not something, there was no way you can write this. You know, you can't write something like that about somebody with no conviction. Um, and I suppose the fact that he, he was convicted and, and then, you know, he, he won he won his appeal and he died from a motor, motorcycle accident. It freed up his his daughters and stepdaughter to, to talk to you and to Hugh Jordan about it. Yeah, credit to um, Hugh Jordan on it for sure. And, uh, you know, and just that, you know, this Great guy, journalism. You know, he was held up, though, as a pillar of the community. Mm. And, you know, and he was seen as this absolute stalwart of, of you know, the, the, the DUP and then the TUV in, in Northern Ireland. The local councillor, you know, wouldn't back down. You know, he's hard man image from his rugby days. You know, it was just, it was a jaw-dropping story, I think. And it was just, I mean, the, the, the incredible bravery of, of the women to, 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 to talk about what they had been through. And it was just, it, it's haunting stuff to, when you... And you know what they went through, and that you know, if, for victims or survivors, whatever term you prefer to use, to go through what they did and then see their see their attacker, you know, lauded for for their role in the community must be so difficult mm. and so painful. And in, and that's what. And they took back that story, didn't they, and that legacy, and they they in in you know in in sacrificing maybe their anonymity. They forced a genuine reassessment of, of Davy Tweed. Yeah. Uh, they really, uh, you know, his death was, he, he was, there was tributes paid to yeah. him. But it's an incredible think, story. You don't see that. I think they fought to have, to have that yeah. memory reassessed and yeah. fought successfully. And what about you, Niall? Any standouts? Well, I mean, I think the standout stories for me, um, modern than one story, I think it's the interaction of criminality and social media. That, that for me, you know, and we've seen that over... Um, you know, over a number of stories. Um, so if you look at the, the murder of Robbie Lawler and um, the social media surrounding that, that's still ongoing where, you know, um, 
like how that all played out in social media, I think was incredible. Um, even the fact that he was confronted on, on, you know, videoed by his rivals, attacked outside a gym that was put up. Then he did other, Robbie Lauder did other, other interviews when he was shot dead. You had the, the there was celebrations yeah, gone up on social yeah. media. Then if you look at the, you know, it, the social media uh, situation surrounding Jerry Hutch's arrest. I mean, I think it was absolutely incredible. I mean, I remember turning to you and saying, look at this site. They had every, you know, this is before any newspaper had any real sense of that, that Jerry Hutch was about to be charged. It was a European restaurant. Just to see it all yeah. there, you know, names, details. Yeah. Um, I think it was quite incredible. And then, of course, you have the ongoing uh, propaganda war regarding the Guinan cartel and, mm. and, and the Hutch faction, the fact that that's all being played, played out. out. Yeah, it's a new kind of cultural experience, isn't it? It's, it's new. A, absolutely. It's really embedding into the culture of absolutely. criminality now. Uh, from, uh, from the young guys that mm. are very chaotic, the teenagers who are bragging, putting up mm. pictures of themselves. And, and even the fact that just recently we had, um, you know, uh, Barry Doyle, a convicted hitman, um, Obviously, sending stuff on social media as well from his jail cell, showing off his muscles, you know, showing off his muscles, yeah. winking to the camera. I mean, it's just it's 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 a different world from the yeah. one we began reporting on. We began reporting, yes, and uh, onwards to twenty twenty two. And thank you both for being regular guests on Crime World, and of course, adding to its huge success this year, the two silver foxes, as we call them. <laughs> yes, thanks for saving our careers, Nicola. <laughs> <laughs> Look, happy Christmas and um Yeah, sign the silver foxes. Look we'll forward off. to a prosperous, a prosperous new year. Yes. Thanks, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from Sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.